This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Ambulatory Surgery Center's podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Beckley Ziegler Otis, Administrator of Ambulatory Surgical Center of Stevens Point in Wisconsin. Becky, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Laura, it's a sincere pleasure to be with you today, and I want to thank you so much for the invitation. Before we dive into the questions, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Oh, sure. Uh, my name is Becky Ziegler Otis, and I'm currently the administrator of the Ambulatory Surgical Center of Stevens Point, which is located in central Wisconsin. Um, I've been the administrator for over 13 years, and I've really enjoyed my role and the intricacies of the ASC industry. I had the opportunity to begin my work with this surgical center at the time of its startup in 2006. And since that time, I've been able to be part of its growth, both in volume and financial success. Um, I actually started my healthcare career 30 plus years ago with a bachelor's degree in health information administration and just continued on a few years ago to achieve my master's in health administration. Prior to working at the surgery center, I served in a number of different roles, such as a director of health information management, a performance improvement director, a compliance officer, an administrative director over several hospital departments, including registration, case management, risk management, and why I bring that up is because I think all those roles have been pivotal for the many hats that I need to wear as the administrator of an independent surgery center. Um, the surgery center that I work for is a freestanding, multi-specialty center that encompasses the specialties of orthopedics, spine, podiatry, urology, and ophthalmology. It's independently owned by what I would refer to as nine wonderful surgeons, and I couldn't be prouder to be a part of a center which has done some really great things, including being an early adopter in performing joint replacements in 2010, and even more recently being recognized by Newsweek as one of the top surgical centers in 2021. It's really exciting to hear, and Becky, you know, thinking about the legacy, as you said, of, of uh, the surgery center being an early adopter of total joints and just you know, being able to thrive, especially over the past decade, I think is great. So that's why I'm excited to have you here and, and really be able to um, dig a little bit deeper into your methods of success. So I'm wondering, first off, what are your top priorities for today? Well, I would say my top priority today has always been and continues to be to maintain a successful surgery center from both the quality and the financial perspectives. And in order to do this, it means I have to focus on continuously providing this high-quality environment for our patients, our staff, and our providers. This really has been a challenge for us during the entire COVID pandemic situation because early on in the process of the pandemic, we had to adopt a number of processes, for instance, requiring COVID testing of our patients prior to surgery as a protection to both staff and patients. And we continue with this process today, as well as a number of other things that we've implemented, such as better disinfection, social distancing, and whatever to keep our patients and our staff safe. But a top priority is really centered around growth and continually looking for ways to boast our case volume to keep the center viable. So I continually follow what's happening on the national landscape, such as CMS changes in the inpatient only list and things of that nature to look for new different types of surgical cases that we can safely perform. But once we know if we want to identify something new that we can do, we also have to be able to demonstrate to our surgeons that our center has the ability to perform these cases with competent and qualified staff and with the needed resources. 
I can really say that our volumes have come back to the pre-COVID levels, but a top priority for us is to continue to grow those volumes. Got it. Got it. That's really interesting. And so primarily, you know, when you look at growing volumes, it's perhaps adding surgeries or, or types of patients that in the past, you know, wouldn't have been viable in ASCs, but now are because of um, whether it's technology or like you said, being removed for the inpatient only list. And I'm wondering, you know, um, are you thinking about adding any other types of specialists or physicians, or is it really primarily just, you know, growing with what you have currently? I think we're always looking for new specialties that we can add. Um, we have an orthopedic practice that's right next door to us, and they have gradually added orthopedic surgeons over time, and that's definitely helpful for us. Um, they look at things like pain management, so I could see maybe having some pain management down the line. We also have our spine surgeon who's doing some procedures, but I can see that growing over time as well. So we're always looking for different ways that we can add volume as well. Got it, got it. That makes sense. Now, what are the three biggest issues affecting your ASC currently? Well, there's a lot of issues that I would say keep me up at night, and pretty much the three biggest ones all center around what I would refer to as financial viability and profitability of the center. So as an independent center, it's critical that I have to stay abreast of the payer reimbursement trends and also what the cost of the care is that we provide. So, and I'll be honest, Laura, it can really be a challenge to get adequate reimbursement from commercial peers, even if they know that we provide great value to consumers. Through my tenure as the ASC administrator, I have seen so many changes in the payer reimbursement landscape from the commercial and the government side. I remember on the commercial side when we were actually being paid a percentage of charges on a number of contracts. Well, this is pretty virtually non-existent any longer. So we have to be really careful with our case selection to assure cases we perform are adequately reimbursed and that the costs are covered by the revenue before we even place them on our surgery schedule. So I pay very close attention to case costing and the reporting metrics in this regard, and that to me is how we continue to survive and thrive into the ASC market. Um, we are an ASC that's very heavy in orthopedics, and so I believe we have the added challenge of making sure that we're covering the cost of our implants. And an ongoing issue is to sure we're getting the best pricing for our implants, but also it requires our payer agreements to be properly structured to either carve out or pay the cost of the implant separately and make sure it's adequately covered you know, in the facility fee if they aren't going to carve it out. And then, of course, surgical edu surgeon education is critical to making sure that they understand what it means when I actually have to say to them, I'm sorry, we can't afford to do the case at the center. So making sure that they're aware of what the costs are and how we're reimbursed for those cases. And that actually leads me to another big issue that is impacting our ASC right now, and that's the cost and the availability of supplies. And I really don't think we're any different than any other surgery center across the nation in this regard. The price of personal protective equipment has increased significantly during the pandemic, and it still remains high at this time. You know, in addition to the cost of these supplies, the pandemic has caused us to experience a number of supply shortages, and the supplies that have become difficult to find can change rapidly. You know, for example, one week it might be gloves that are in short supply, and then just when you think you've gotten your hands around getting enough gloves and you can take care of things from that regard, then there's another shortage. Maybe now you have a shortage of saline or 
in our recent days, it was the chloroprep applicators. And so being able to find various vendors to provide the product is a challenge. But, boy, once you find the vendor, then making sure that the cost isn't prohibited because, of course, that's typically going up exponentially. So when you factor in the increasing supply costs with the reimbursement challenges, those are the things that you know really keep me up at night. Um, we have a great materials manager who does a really good job of tracking what's happening in the industry and in the, our area of the country with impending shortages. And we try to be proactive with purchasing from a number of vendors, but really it is a moving target and an ongoing challenge. And as I thought about the third issue that I think impacts our surgery center, I think it's making sure that we have competent staff to assure that we can maintain our solid reputation of providing that high-quality, safe care. Of course, just like anywhere, there's a limited pool of surgical techs and RNs in our area as we compete with those larger systems. And I think we have great staff, and I believe a great working environment, but I also recognize we have to keep it that way. Um, staff, satisfied staff, as we all know, drive positive patient satisfaction. And all of us, I'm sure, experienced the stressors that COVID provided to our staff, such as the fear of the unknown, the various mandates with social distancing, masking, and on the limitations with the number of people who could convene in a group. And that happened you know, during some of the busiest time of our year, which was the fourth quarter of last year, which is kind of your holiday season. And so we really had to look for creative ways to keep our staff motivated and the morale high despite the additional stressors, which was, uh, you know, had to be handled in a very creative manner. Got it. I think that, you know, it's really fascinating to see in terms of just those three buckets of challenges from the um, financial viability, looking at payer trends, uh, the supply issues, and then here, you know, um, staffing as well. And I do have a few follow-up questions. So on the staffing side of things, um, you know, especially as you think about growing the center, you know, adding cases in, in um, from that regard, um, what kinds of things are you doing to make sure that, you know, you're able to keep adding the best staff available, keep them motivated? I know you mentioned, you know, obviously during the holidays there are some things you're able to do um, to, to make a difference, but um, I'm wondering, you know, especially as um, nationally, there are some challenges in, in recruiting in the healthcare space. I'm wondering what makes a difference for your center and what you're hoping to maintain about your culture as things continue to grow. So I, I think what makes us special is our culture, and that's really what we advocate when we're looking for staff. And we are always looking for staff. So um, whenever we receive a resume or something from you know somebody who's interested in working at our surgery center, we act on that. We talk with the individual. We try to keep a pool of candidates there. And I think it's our reputation that, that causes them to keep coming and wanting to be a part of our, our center. You know, we, we typically do not have to work the, the weekends, you know, or the nights. And so that is definitely something that's um, more attractive to individuals versus working in a hospital environment. But I think it's something above and beyond that. And it's how the employee feels when they're at work. You know, is it that true team environment where everybody's working together for one common goal? And so I think that's something that we do well. I think our staff feel very respected, um, and I think that that makes a difference. So keeping that pool of candidates out there, making sure that they feel um, good about their work, and then looking for creative ways to reward them. And so, you know, 
in the past we've done you know many different lunches and things of that nature and that's always very helpful on a busy surgery day one of the most important things is to make sure that you know you're you're fed and so that you can make it through the day and so some of those things were a challenge but we did come up with some creative things making sure we had individual um, portions of things for instance we had pie day where we had a baker in town make a bunch of pies and we had them all cut individually and everybody had pies um, something that really brought the staff together, I think, was we had a lip sync competition with the orthopedic practice next door. So during the holiday season, we each picked a song, and we had staff um, lip sync the song, and we had a competition that was put on Facebook, and it was really fun, and I think it really added to the to the fun of what was going on. And I think also putting some of those things on Facebook so that other entities or other individuals that are looking to maybe work at your surgery center or the orthopedic practice, I think that helps entice them to see what a wonderful environment you have to work in. That's a great point. You know, I, I haven't really thought about that, but being able to kind of present yourself on the Facebook side of things, you know, everybody is there and, and kind of uh, can see that. And so that that really, I'm sure, makes a difference in, you know, how people are feel even before sending in the application. Um, and then I also wanted to ask a quick question, follow up on, in terms of when you were talking about the financial viability and profitability of the center, especially um, the surgeon education aspect of it. Obviously, you know, you're on top of what the um, payers are, are paying and in the cost of supplies and all that. How do you relay, relay that information to the surgeons? How do you um, kind of make sure that they're aware of, of some of the stressors that are going on you know, from that side of things. And so, you know, they can definitely be as mindful as possible about which cases they're bringing to the center. Sure, that's a great question. So there's several ways. First of all, we have owner meetings in which I'm able to share information as far as what are the, the case costs that are associated with different cases. And that's effective in and of itself. But there's also what I would refer to as like just the one-on-one -on -one education. And so whenever there is a case, for example, that wants to be put on the schedule, and it's one that we, we I'm very much a hands-on administrator, so I, I know what's getting put on the schedule. And if I take a look at it, and I know what the revenue is, and I know what our past cost supplies are going to be, um, I take the responsibility to reach out to that provider, that provider's MA that might be scheduling it, and I explain the situation. I'm able to say, well, I just want you to know that from the perspective of this government payer, this is what we're going to get paid. This is what our supply costs were, you know, are going to be or they have been in the past and demonstrate you know, to them what it is. And I think once they see it themselves, and know what the ramifications are, it's, it's much more easy for them to understand why the decision is made that way, and then they remember that over time. And so those have been some of the ways that I've handled that surgeon education. Got it, got it. That makes a lot of sense. And now, before we wrap up our conversation, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how you're thinking about growth in the future. I know, obviously, we talked about adding cases in several different ways, but when you look at, you know, whether it's the facility five, 10 years down the line, um, what really, you know, will, will the Ambulatory Surgery Center of Stevens Point look like, um, you know, five or 10 years from now? Well, I hope it's very, very busy and that we're adding on because we've had so many cases that we can't accommodate them. So that's my my hope for the surgery center. And how do I think that's going to happen? Well, I think there's going to be this continued migration of more complex cases from the acute environment to the outpatient. And 
This is certainly being promulgated with the CMS perspective and also from those commercial payers who are coming up with, in many ways, financial incentives for their subscribers to move to the outpatient surgery environment, maybe reducing co-pays or, or even eliminating the co-pays, things of that nature. And I can see that we started performing our joint replacements in 2010, and I can even see more of a significant migration of them from the hospital. I've seen that over the past six months, and I see it continuing, and it's possible that with our spine specialty, we'll actually see more of those complex cases moving. I also think an area of growth will be direct contracting with self-insured businesses. Um, businesses are continuously looking for ways to reduce their costs, and we all know that what they have to pay for health care premiums for their employees is continuously rising. And I think that that provides us as ASCs with a wonderful opportunity to work with the employers or groups of employers to provide them with the cost savings while at the same time building our case volume overall. And I also think some growth is going to come from the patient consumerism movement. Um, patients are shopping around. They're taking more ownership of their health insurance premiums, and thus they'll be looking to price shop for where they want to have their procedure performed. And that, of course, will be driven by some of the payers who provide, as I mentioned, those financial incentives, such as co-pays being reduced or maybe no copay at all. And I think that that's a trend that will continue to grow exponentially into the future, driving more volume to the ASC marketplace. Um, we all know that ASCs provide great value in terms of quality and cost of care, and I think consumers are going to see this more and more, which is going to add to our growth. And I also think about volume growth. I think it continued to grow in terms of new technology and looking for ways to maybe do things more efficiently and effectively, and this will also increase our internal capacity to add on more cases. So when I think of that, I think of some some patient application technologies intended to like enhance the pre- and the post-operative activities related to patient preparation prior to surgery, maybe their education post-surgery, online registration and preoperative screening, and like reminder reminders given for surgical appointments and things of that nature. And of course, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't mention robotics um, to aid in the maximizing of the accuracy of the alignment and placement in some of the orthopedic procedures. And these are all things that when we're thinking about in terms of growth, it's also going to add capacity to us to continue to even be able to grow more into the future. Becky, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fascinating discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Well, thank you, Laura. It's been my sincere pleasure to be with you and your audience today. If you enjoyed this interview, check out more Just Like It by subscribing to the Becker's Ambulatory Surgery Center podcast. Available for download wherever you get your podcasts.